On today's edition of Discologist, Eduardo and Kevin will be discussing Come Around and Love Me, the new soul classic from singer Jalen Ngonda. As if that isn't enough, they'll also be spinning some new-to-you music that you're sure to love, plus braving the ire of the internet by talking about merch cuts and the recent reissue of The Replacements classic, Tim. Get comfortable. Your journey begins now. Yeah. All right, we know what that sounds like. Seven. Yeah. Mm. Strike is over, man. Yeah, we have people again, huh? We do. We do. And we miss. Are... We missed you too, guys. <laughs> It's in the contract that they get to cheer for at least two hours. So this is going to be a long episode. Oh, okay. Are yeah. we paying them? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, they're fine. They're fine. Uh, welcome back to a new episode of this guy. This is the, we went long last time. I felt kind we of did. bad about that. I felt yeah. like, you know, we didn't talk for a while. So we're, we're going to try to, we're going to move this along today All business. a little quicker. All business. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about besides music that I think we're going to do at the back end of this uh, after we talk about some great new music. Jalen Naganda is the is the feature today. Uh, and you're going to... The album's great. But anyways, we'll get to that. But like, I, I think what's burning up the internet right now, two things. The, besides, besides the Drew Holiday trade, of course. I, I can't talk about that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> You're bringing me down, man. I'm sorry. Uh, Milwaukee has lost a real one. But, uh, you know, besides all that is is two things to my mind. And maybe you have another news item here. I think uh, a lot of people are talking about Tim, the Let It sure Bleed are. edition, yeah. uh, remixes and remasters and whatnot. And then the move that uh, Live Nation made yesterday where at least until the end of the year, there's a... Uh, a uh, program going on where bands will get, uh, I think it's panning out to be $1,500 if you're the opener. And then I think it's like $750 if you're the, if you're the second band. Yeah. Like if you're the support band. So roughly half. Uh, half of that is, half is cash, half comes on a gas card. Um, so lots of <laughs> discussion about that, which we, which we'll weigh in. I think we'll weigh in on. We don't mean to do it right now because, like I said, people want to. They came to listen to music. I think, right? I think so. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Primarily, if, yeah, yeah. And then if you yeah. want to hear us yap at the end, then we'll we'll yap yeah. at the end. We yeah. have we'll lots be here. Of thoughts. We'll, we explain the whole process. You're basically hearing our text threads. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but I'm going to get us uh, started off here uh, today on a really really good note. Um, Milwaukee, the the scene is super interesting to me because, you know, where where you are in DC, it's very like uh, DIY oriented. But that DIY means generally Fugazi adjacent, post uh, post punk Fugazi adjacent. Yeah, post punk Fugazi yeah. adjacent. So yeah. here, uh, that obviously punk is huge. The '90s are huge. The DIY stuff is is here, but it's it, it it's it's different. Like it's hard. It's really harder to describe how it's different. 
but this might help answer the question as to why it's different when I'm going to play today. Uh, these two nerds, Keith D and John Gleisner, <laughs> apparently metal dudes in the Milwaukee scene. Uh, I, I'm assuming they just got real high during the pandemic and like this happened and, and I love them for this. I don't know them personally, but I, I want to, um, they made an album called dragons of crawl. And if you're, <laughs> if listener, <laughs> you're wondering what the fuck is crawl. So crawl was a movie in the eighties, uh, that it was a fantasy movie. And it was about the time that a whole bunch of fantasy movies came out. I forget what they were trying to be. It wasn't Star Wars, but it was some some other big fantasy Le- movie. Legend, maybe? Like well, Legend was, was one of these movies. Legend yeah. was one of these movies. That was Tom Cruise. Yeah. And uh, Tim Curry is Satan, which was, um, was amazing right. in that. That's yeah. right. So this was not that movie and possibly of a lower quality. But the cool <laughs> thing about this movie was The Glaive. And at this point, like when it came out, I think I was, this is mid-80s. So, you know, getting into teen years and stuff. Uh, throwing stars ninjas shit is very very exciting at that age Uh, it is very very exciting in the 80s at that age so the glaive was this magical like boomerang with five points on it and just knives coming out of it it looked like Freddy Krueger's glove uh, and the guy would just throw it but it was a magical thing and anyways the dude had to save the princess it is essential viewing uh, if you have any just like nerd tendencies or you just love yourself in general. I think you have to (laughs) do do yourself a favor. Yeah. Do yourself yourself a solid. (laughs) Um, And uh, so what they did is they just made an album about crawl. Mm -hmm. It's metal as fuck. And it it covers basically the entire plot of crawl in song. I, I, I'll talk more about this after the track, because I think it's, you, you really need to hear this, but, this is this is one of the I love Milwaukee so much because of shit like this. <laughs> so uh, this is Dragons of Crawl. This is summing up basically the whole movie uh, in track two, Journey to the Black Fortress.
You have just been transported to the prophecy of Crow. Uh, before I get to your reaction here, I want to say this is this is what I want the music industry to be going forward. Step one: love something. It can be a movie. It can be something like unabashedly. Step two: use the musical skills that you have to play to pay tribute to said thing. And step three should always be profit. <laughs> like it, this is yeah. this is this is what for me like making music is actually about that you can do something this clearly dumb but clearly awesome <laughs> um yeah it is awesome um <laughs> there's uh there's so um you know those guitars had me in sort of like uh maybe like a corrosion of conformity kind of kind yeah. of mindset um the I love when uh, you know for a long time in metal the question was uh, are you going to do sort of Dio or are you going to do like Max Cavalera right are you going to mm-hmm. do sort of like high falsetto or just low guttural and I love when bands sort of do neither and, and kind of both <laughs> at the same time right there's moments yeah. where yeah, yeah, yeah. in that song where it goes a little guttural then the in the in the chorus there's the sort of Dio um, harmony part that comes in right right. Um, right. And you're right. It's just, you know, listening to it, it's just so, uh, it's just so moving <laughs> that two people love the movie Crawl so much <laughs> right. that they decided right. to make this. It's really, it's, it's impossible, like, not to dwell on that fact. Yeah. I, like, I'd love to have somebody, like, l- try to take a pass at, like, legit, like, doing some criticism on this. Because what are you, what are you going to do? Like, <laughs> Like, yeah, it leaves me. It leaves me hoping that they'll tackle. I don't know the never-ending story next, or <laughs> or Conan. You know, like Willow. Yeah, Willow. Oh my god. Yeah. I mean, there's so many, so so much oh, time. Oh, time shit. bandits. Make a time bandits record. You know, uh, that'd be complex. Yeah, it would I, be. I, it's I, a double. I, I might do that. That'd be that'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, how about Beastmaster? Oh my god. Oh my god. Right. That is. Yeah. Yeah. Beast Beastmaster is a movie that I've watched easily fifty <laughs> times in my life. Uh, it's like not even close. It's like second do, to Robocop. Do Robo you want to explain a little, just really briefly what Beastmaster is? Well, well, the Beastmaster has the ability to c- communicate with, uh, control, and see through uh, a number of animals that he keeps around. Uh, and he uses them essentially to bring down kind of an evil priest type guy who is sacrificing. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the ferrets crawl all over the temple. Uh, there's a panther. There's a quicksand scene, I believe, and the ferrets maybe save oh, yeah, him yeah, yeah. from the quicksand. Yeah. Um, he has a hawk, right? He sends the hawk flying. That's like his drone, sort of. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's a quality. It's a quality movie, I believe. I want to say like Rip Torn is in it. Um, I don't. I I can't confirm that. Yeah. Maybe maybe we'll look at, or maybe we won't look it up. Maybe there's a great It's up uh, to you listener to discover this. Community did a great riff on Beastmaster. There was like a oh, there God. was like a Halloween episode where the Chevy Chase character mm-hmm. shows up dressed as the Beastmaster and no one knows uh, who he is. And it's pretty great. Which is just a uh loincloth. It's a loincloth with a little sort of like a, a goose suit, right? Like a big sort of like uh, muscly yeah, yeah, suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he does have, he has like, uh, he has like the leather satchel and like a hawk on his, <laughs> on his shoulder. <laughs> it's pretty well done. It's pretty well done. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah I think, I think good job to these guys. A plus, A plus. Yeah. What, um, um, who was the artist again? Uh, Dragons of Crawl. The name of the album is Journey to the Black Fortress. Excellent. No notes. So you have, you have verily been rocked. Well done. What, what are you bringing to the table? 
I am going to take us to um, a different city with, uh, with a different scene. Um, we're going to go uh, to Pittsburgh to listen to uh, Bus Crates, which is the project of a guy named Orlando Marshall. I don't, I don't know much about him. He was someone, uh, this was an artist that I started to clock um, around Bandcamp Fridays, I think. I was sort of looking for stuff that was off the beaten path a little while ago. And, um, you know, uh, I've had that sort of Luther Vandross, Patrice Ruchin, Brenda Russell, Jones Girl sort of thing going on with like late 70s, early 80s R&B. And, uh, and Bus Crates is through and through just uh, a, a guy who makes beats, uh, clearly has an extensive uh, extensive record collection. Um, yeah. you know, Pittsburgh has, Pittsburgh has, has punched above its weight jazz wise. My favorite sax player, Eric Kloss is from there. Uh, and, uh, and it's, so it's clearly informed by all of that, but it's, it's kind of like beats that are sort of almost like the backing track of a great 80 song that was never made. Yeah. And, uh, and I yeah. think, um, all the songs are really just really great. And to the point he has like a Hammond B9 organ that he like overlays on stuff now. And, uh, it's a really it's a really interesting sound. So here is uh, four track mind. Thank you. 
or track mind. First thing, is it Buscrates or Bus Buscrates? Like Socrates. Oh shit. I don't, we know. don't know. I thought we it was Bus I thought yeah, it's, Buscrates, it's a, huh? It's a, it's a, it's a Buscrates. I don't know. It's all one word. Yeah. We'll yeah, find yeah, yeah. Uh well, that's right as fuck. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> I <clears throat> One thing I love about instrumental music is how, like, you have definitely heard something like that in some late 80s, early 90s R&B hit, right? Yes. And by hit, I mean probably not a hit. But the, the sound, like, saturated a, what we assume of an era, right? Mm -hmm. You hear that and you're like, oh, this is just what the 70s sounded like. or This is just what the 80s sounded like. But it definitely, you know, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis were definitely like copping that. Yep. For like some control, uh, DeBarge. Yep. It's just, just like ripping straight from DeBarge. Absolutely. And, and I, I mean, rip in a good way. I mean, that is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, good things like this don't really go out of style. <laughs> I, I know we're moving so fast in the society that we think we can't stop and be like, you know, what about this thing back then? Because it is all additive, right? Yep. Absolutely. It's all additive. But to hear this in 2023 is just fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my, um, the, the, the first uh, thing of his that I got was called Blast, Blasting Off. And he has a lot of guest, uh, sort of, you know, guest MCs doing, uh, doing verses on that. Um, right. And this most recent one that came out just this summer is called Control Center. And I apologize, I misspoke. He does not have a Hammond. He has a Fender Rhodes. Okay. He's got a Clav. He's got a Moog in there, but uh, no Hammond. Uh, oh, we can so, a Moog. Mr. Marshall, Buscrates, Buscrates. Uh, yeah. Sometimes the C is capitalized, which is confusing to me. Anyway, I, I, I hope I'm, man, I, it's embarrassing if I'm wrong about that, but whatever, <laughs> whatever it is, man. <laughs> Whatever it is, the music is good. We specialize in embarrassing, sir. <laughs> I do. Um, man. Um, yeah, I spelled Yusuf Day's name wrong all over all the posts. Oh, no. And, uh, uh, his rep let me know. Whatever, I bought his record and I got three other people to buy it. Um, maybe maybe okay. four. I might, be, uh, I, might, I might be hitting Songbird this weekend for it. Hell yes. Hell yes. Or Birdland. Uh, that's rad. I... I uh, that would definitely have to be played in the basement here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? But uh, otherwise, I mean, yeah, just come down there and the cats and me are having a little, like, disco dance party. I got room yeah. for roller skates. Like, yeah, you've just served You've just served drinks. People are sort of getting up. They're moving yeah. around. They're feeling good, you know? It's, yeah. it's really, it's really pretty plate. fucking perfect. Cheese plate. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Some uh, garnishes. That's what we do up here. A carrot, and then maybe a little de deviled egg, and some olives, and some relish. Oh, sure. Relish tray. Yeah. I'll, I'll come over for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, when you're here in December, we'll... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll do that. Uh, sweet. So, those two tracks slap. I think what we're going to talk about next... This is going to be interesting. I'm excited for people to hear this if they haven't heard it. I was Same. excited to hear it, but... Uh, this definitely is kind of the vibe of the show, at least this season. Uh, so talking about Jalen Naganda's Come Around and Love Me, and we'll be back in a minute.
That is the title track of uh, Jalen Naganda's uh, Come Around and Love Me. Uh, if you're thinking to yourself, why didn't he get sued by Marvin Gaye's estate? <laughs> um, that's because the case was already through the courts. But I, I guarantee somebody there is like trying to sue him. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's what we're going to be talking about with this album is, yeah. is how y- y- there's such a focus in today's music industry about uh, being like progressive and it has to be the next best thing or something. You, you said one time I'm talking about me uh, that I always have to be like moving forward on stuff, which yeah. isn't, which isn't quite true. I just like a lot of different experiences, but I always fall back on stuff like this, like, because this is like, this is foundational. Um, this is foundational in a lot of ways. This album is out on Daptown. I haven't heard a lot from them in a few years, basically since Charles Bradley and Sharon Jones died. Yeah. Uh, they seem to... Sl- I know they're busy. I know uh, Mystery Lights is still out there. Uh, that's their rock right. band. Right, right. Uh, they're fantastic. Uh, Jalen, I think, is from outside D.C. And I want to say, I would say PG County probably. Moved to London, so that's where he's been located. Uh, this, like a lot of albums, came together. It was It was planned coming up through the pandemic. And then the pandemic hit, and so they they couldn't do it. Uh, so it, it's taken a lot of years. So technically, this should have been out, what, like twenty twenty one, I think. Uh, one thing that I just absolutely love about this album is that I, every time I listen to it, I have a favorite, a different favorite song. It's very competent in what it does. And and the, and what it does is emoting, like Marvin Gaye, Motown. You yeah. know these sounds. Yeah. And and, and doing it like really like <laughs> exactly. It, it's a car. You drop this in. You don't tell me what year this is from, and I don't know what year this is from. Um. So the songs, like maybe I'll dig into them later and and find some real real emotional depth to that. The real personal emotional depth. But what I hear now is is somebody who's like, I want to make some entertaining songs for people that can dance to, they can feel happy, they can feel sad. Uh, they're talking about love. They're talking about losing love. I mean, these are all the classic ingredients. To uh... well, what what's I think what what can sometimes get lost is that uh, music that feels good feels good <laughs> and that's a really yeah. <laughs> but i mean and that's I, I don't i don't think i can say it any any i can't i can't make that sound smarter than it is and and right. this is just music that makes you feel good and therefore you like it and you respond well to it um yeah you know it's it's kind of interesting to me that we're talking about this record on the heels of the raw poetic one because i think they they both have sort of some similarities in terms of being really direct um they're not they're not precious. They're not sort of trying to milk some, you know, deep uh, kind of emo, soul-revealing, tormented yeah. thing. This is this is music that serves both a social purpose, but that also, like, really, uh, you know, I, I ha- were we not discussing this record, I would still have listened to it just as many times as I did this past week. And I and the like the yeah. vinyl the vinyl just got delivered. I I, I can't wait to pull that out. It's just. Everything about this feels like it's in the right place, and and that extends to like really the you know uh, 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 the recording too. You know the way the bass sounds, the way you can hear those conga drums. Yeah. Like um, yeah. 
the it, way his it's, voice it's built sounds. on a history that we have of, yeah. of listeners of people that know what the sound is and Dapton, that's always been there especially yeah i, I want to play a little song that sort of illustrates that and because it's just even the song title give me another day <laughs> yeah I, I was just listening to harold melvin and the blue notes before this and like this is this is that it's mm-hmm. fantastic here's so here's give me another day uh from jalen the gun Amongst us does not know that pain. I fell in love to stay. <laughs> Guess what? Yeah, <laughs> something nope. has gone wrong in this situation. <laughs> it's it's um you know there's a there's a timelessness to a lot of the themes here, right? Um, but it, what's interesting to me, and 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 maybe you'll talk about this a little bit. Um, so I don't mean to steal your thunder, but. Uh, like, like on the opening track of the record, there's a line, um, uh, that we heard where I keep expecting him to say, you know, um, stop thinking about other guys or something like that, or stop comparing me to other guys. But he says to others before, and that's such a small change that somehow makes it, yeah. yeah, but that makes it less like heteronormative and less sort of like traditional in that way. It just, it just opens things up a little bit more. Right. To right. sort of make it a little bit more universal than maybe some of those, you know, OG Temptations type recordings might have been. I, I had not noticed that line. And like, yeah. that's kind of blowing my mind right now because that, I mean, again, this record exists in 2023. This is when it is out. This is when people are supposed to enjoy it. And obviously we're going to be talking like in our songs about very different things. Which yeah. aren't very different things. They're the same yeah. things. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> right. the whole point. Yeah. No, <laughs> that's it's, the whole it's, point. It's 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 so quintessential. It's it's so central to like the idea of what pop music is and what it's for. There, there's a knowing that now. There, there. One of the points I wanted to make about this was that there is a song. There's a couple songs in here, but like the song "If You uh, Don't Want My Love," to me, sounds like it could be a girl band singing that. 
very easy. And 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 I'm I'm sort of assigning genders to these based on like what historically what the music it's pulling from. So like the 50s and 60s Motown stuff. And and that and and so sort of taking that position and just what the song is about, uh, the narrative in the song, and flipping it around that it's not this girl band, which happened a lot, but uh, it just shows that they're like not necessarily. They're like we're gonna throw everything at this guy and see what he can do, <laughs> you know. And it well, delivers. And no, it, it, um, he really does. And I and and you know, while it's clearly kind of centered around, I think the sort of you know '60s uh, uh, temptations really really come to mind. There are moments that sound a little bit like Isaac Hayes or Curtis. Um, there's a lot of Marvin Gaye in there, obviously. But you know, just just the other day, I was walking past a restaurant in uh, or a bar in Petworth, and there was some band just killing let's get it on just like straight and you could hear people inside like hooting and hollering and it's just you know and it's just such a reminder of like the power of that music when it's when it's done well and it you know it brings people together it makes them feel things it makes them happy yeah <laughs> yeah which yeah. is which is important yeah. not not just in times of crisis is like important all the time the more the more happy music you listen to like the, i think the more music you're gonna listen to yes you just, you just kind of like it's like it's it's an antidepressant even what you, you Kevin, you once formulated something to me that was like that like what happens a lot with like white guy sad music is that mm. the speaker is like angry. And yeah. And the, and the are, speaker are we is never country? Yeah, yeah. I think I think you were sort of saying that like that like basically like in white music, you never hear the speaker of the song going, Baby, I done fucked up. I want you to come back. I'm so sorry. Uh, right. Yeah, and yeah. that and that you have yeah, you true. have to <laughs> you have to go outside of white music to hear to hear those sentiments sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you think about like third stage, like, there's there's doused yeah. in resentment. Yeah, like, right. And then at the end, he just ends up with Holly Ann. I don't know who Holly Ann is, but <laughs> but it's all these proclamations. No, that's <clears throat> I forget what I was talking about. That, but yeah, that that that's generally my experience. Um, I know I know people sometimes have a problem with, uh. Not necessarily us, but people saying stuff like there's black music and there's white music. Um, but there is, and it's because of cultural differences. Um, and the reality is, is that black culture is more nurturing than white culture, in, in my opinion. And so it's going to produce stuff like this. Mm. It's going to produce uh, a vulnerability that doesn't exist because a lot of white culture is just like my ego is this big. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there is eight oh eights and heartbreak on the other side of that equation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, but, yeah. There, there is but Kanye. Sure. Yeah, but I was like, and, and so I don't want to rag on him. I've been watching a documentary series on uh, YouTube about the band Lawrence. Okay, right. And they're an incredibly tight band. They're also an incredibly white band. Yeah, and yeah. They, and they're playing soul music. And quote, it is the least soulful stuff I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> but I get the I get the appeal. Like I'm a I'm a yeah, 51 yeah. year old white guy. Um, it'd be interesting to see them even like just get to these emotional depths just by instrumentation. It, it's this is the intangible stuff, right? You know, yes, Sam Cooke had an amazing voice, but he also had a band that understood how to support that. Same with Marvin Gaye. Teddy mm -hmm. Pendergrass, all these people, and Otis, you know, especially shows, as yeah, yeah as, as you get into like the seventies and eighties, especially like Pendergrass, it does get a little schmaltzy. Yeah, yeah, 
right? But it's still like he can be schmaltz, schmaltz, and then hit if you don't know me by now. Yeah, and and it's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's just it's over. Well, this is, you know, I think what's what's interesting about um, hearing this music um, and especially knowing that, you know, that this is his first proper release, right? This is his first album? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, man, it's so, it's so exciting to sort of project out, you know, 10, 20 years, you know, does he, yeah. uh, you know, is this, is the idea here that he sort of amasses a catalog like this? Does he sort of begin to explore other things using the sort of, you know, wrecking crew? Uh, kind of approach as his like template, yeah, uh, yeah. And 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 I'm 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 here for all of it, really. I mean, I was I was watching the other night a show of his, uh, a set he played at like a festival in Europe somewhere. Okay. It's on YouTube, um, and the live band is great. I don't know if it's the same personnel as this record, but uh, but you know, you got the sense that this is someone who was who was comfortable being an entertainer and singing songs that will make people dance and that will sort of give people an experience. And again, you know, there's, there's, there's room for many different kinds of music, but, but I think often people forget that one of the central things that music ought to do is to bring people together uh, in some way, shape, or form. And the easiest way to do that is to get people together to dance. And I'm not saying that just because I was at the Janelle Monet show the other night, but, but because that is really sort of, I think, a central function of any performer do you think that this is a do you think this album plays it a little too safe um well i think it's uh you know i want to i want to sort of pull the pull the lens back on that a little bit because i because we don't know how he's going to follow this up and what will come after that right so i think this record is a very consistent mood it Clocks in at what forty minutes or something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty short. It's focused. It's in and out. Um, so you know, this could just be one look that he's going to give us, and there could be other things that that come later. So um, for for a debut album, what I find it what I find really interesting about it is just how how confident it is. Um, and you know, I don't know why. So why does why do I like this and not Greta Van Fleet? Uh, Besides, yeah. besides the fact that I don't like Led Zeppelin, <laughs> I mean that's that's a big reason. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean this this uh, this is from from what little exposure I've had to to Jalen. He's done a couple of interviews here and there. I mean, he he seems like someone uh, that you want to root for, um, right. and you know, having having the Daptone sort of imprimatur there, I think I think really helps. I keep thinking about how you know, how many of us have bought like eccentric soul records over the last mm-hmm. 10 or 20 years. And, you know, between the numero this, group ones, what's that? The numero group ones. Yeah. Right? Yeah, or, yeah. Or, yeah. 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 Not, not just like random eccentric soul. Like yeah, yeah, numero yeah, group has, has a series. Of, yeah. yeah. Okay. Numero, numero group. Uh, and, 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 you know, we have, we have artists today like, like Jalen, like Delvin Lamar, um, yeah. you know, who are, who are really sort of, uh, occupying a very specific musical lane and 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 they really seem happy doing that. And you think about how often we talk about artists who run into trouble because they're trying to sort of outgrow something or they're trying to be more than they than they really can be. Yeah. yeah. Um and there's there's a lot of, you know, it sounds confident to me that he's sort of staying in this lane. Um Okay. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where, like, I, I find myself wanting um, down the road a, a more personal statement. Yes. Uh, I, I, I haven't looked up any performances. I don't know anything outside of what, what this put in my ears. Um, and, and I love what I hear, but it, it, I, I do feel it is a little safe. And as a debut, I think that's, I think that's just fine. I right. think, you know, you know, maybe on the next record or a single that comes out, uh, it gets like super personal. doesn't have to, but, uh, but I think he has the chops to pull it off. I think he has the band to pull it off. Yeah. Um, and I mean, cause it, it's not, <clears throat> You don't make something like this unless you are confident <laughs> in your abilities, and then from there, I, I think it's you know maybe it's a I'm just speculating a calculation like do I want to have a career doing this, or do I want to have a career being a like legendary singer? Well, uh, you know, one of I guess one thought I have is just knowing the way. Um, thinking about all the discussions we've had about the way the music industry works now, uh, it's much better to bet on being a live band that people want to come see yeah. than it is betting on, oh, this record is going to be so personal and so intimate that everyone will want to to buy it or stream it a lot. Like That just doesn't seem like a, a great yeah. play financially. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, no, no. I think he just played down here at a place called Evanston Space. It's oh, like wow. a little north of Chicago. Oh wow! Uh, or maybe it's coming up. If it's coming up, I should try to make it down there. Uh, yeah, um, maybe he's playing right now. I don't know the dates. Yeah. Um, I, now I, I mentioned that uh, my favorite song shifts every time I listen to it. What, what was the song that you you were digging off of this? I was gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw on here. Um, just like you used to. Um, mostly because I've been marveling at the bass playing on this record. And I think, I think the song, if I had like the, the sort of the stems, I might just listen to the bass line and his voice on this for a little while. Cause it's, it's that buttery. Anytime you drop a sax in like that, yeah. but like like that, yeah, yeah, 
like you've got all that going on, that perfect bass line that like you know the sound. Um, and then all of a sudden the sax rolls in. Um I have a few final thoughts, maybe yeah. questions about this. Uh and that song actually made me think of this. What what is it do you think about this type of music that makes us think of maybe a, a better time in our in, in our lifespan, you know? And, and and I will I will sort of color that with in my mind, it, this connects a lot with what I feel like would have been like around the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm. And that's when like a lot of soul music was really hitting. Uh, and part of that is part of the reason I think that is because that's reality, but also part of it, I think it's really been pushed in film and television, but they, they reach for these things. And I don't, I'm not convinced that it is necessarily just because it's historical. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I have like the ethnomusicology answer to that question, although I suspect there is right. one. Um, certainly, certainly part of it is, is just the, you know, the sort of, uh, the way, the way soul music is used in, uh, in, in movies, but, but there's something about it that's more, that's, that's not the only reason, right? Because, because soul music inspired a bunch of British kids in the 60s yeah. who had never seen it being used in movies that would only be released 10 or 20 years later, right? right as a nostalgic right. thing. And it was enough to launch like a couple of musical revolutions. And that song like in particular sounds like like <clears throat> everything could be going horribly. Yeah. Right? And all of a sudden you happen upon like some club by the side of the road. And for me, these these are Southern things, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. But it could be like wherever you live, you happen in some club and you walk in and all of a sudden it's magical. Like, who's this band? People, like you said, people are dancing. Yeah. People are having a great time. The fucking band is hot. The singer's fucking killing it. I mean, you got and, vibes, you got strings, you right, got tongas, You got vibes. Like, it's just, yeah. You know, and, and, and that is when people like you and me talk about like a better world, like that's, there's obviously a bad connotation you could get. You know what I'm <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But, but, you know, just a time where like peace, regardless of, because horrible stuff was going on to black artists back then. Yeah. But you could find peace in those moments. I, I guess the question then is whether that was worth the horrible shit that was going on. But for example, you couldn't drop spin doctors into a scene like that. Right, right, <laughs> right. That would be a very be, different. It, it might be good, but it'd be very different. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think, I think the, uh, uh, you know, I don't know how, how much cultural awareness there is at the, you know, when, when we first respond to this kind of music, but I think there is, um, certainly as we age, there's an awareness that like this, this incredibly just beautiful, soothing, inspiring, hopeful music uh, came out of some of the darkest periods in 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 history, right? And it and it's sort of born of a tradition that is uh, that involves you know violence and theft and rape and uh, and genocide. Um, whether we all hear that the first time we hear like "My Girl" 
or right. sitting on the dock of the bay or something like that. I I don't know, but there is, but 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 it really does seem to like reach. It seems to reach us. It 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 goes beyond all the layers of stuff uh, that I have, and somehow like sort of pierces all of that and goes like right to something at my core that I can't. Yeah, I can't quite put into words. Yeah, and like that's separate from like because you're from Brazil, right? But certainly certainly not like a better history than America, but like, <laughs> but you, you didn't, exp- you don't have necessarily that American history, like built into you. Yeah. I learned about uh, like old American rock and soul, mostly from Stephen King and then from, <laughs> and then from yeah, movies. Yeah. You know, that was basically what, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And Stephen King leans on it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot. He really uh, does. And that's, that's okay though. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, can hear more about it at our new Stephen King show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not there yet, but, I think we're I think I think we're hoping that a lot of people will like this and yeah want to go out and see this guy and support him. I think so. I I didn't look to see um if it was I forget how I heard about it, but I, I didn't look to see if it was like a big release. Yeah. I I I don't feel like it is, but I also don't feel like Daptone can do anything and not have like it take notice. some some traction. Um, like I'll have to check uh, Bob. I'll check with Bob and see if he's heard it. One it one it popped retiring. up. He's got time. I think I think NPR, I think NPR did did. I think Scott Simon interviewed him. I think I came across that online. Oh, so they did an interview, but it yeah, didn't end up on like all songs. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, yeah. The other thing is that is that when when you shot this over to me, uh, the two people who Apple Music told me were currently listening to it were you and Matt Suter. Which is, which is yeah. not surprising. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, maybe we need to check with Matt. Yeah. Be like, bro, because that's literally when I heard it. I, I, no press releases, nothing. I scanned it. I'm like, that looks like something that might be good. Hey, play. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've shared it with a couple of people. And, and usually within 30 seconds of me saying, hey, you should put this on right now. This is like a, you know, a midnight text on a Saturday night saying, hey, I know you're awake. You should put this on right now. And a minute later, I get a text back that's, you know, all emoji or just some some very enthusiastic response to it. So nice. You can nice. be you can be the hero in your friend group by putting this record on at the right time. <laughs> I think that's the best review you can have in an album. <laughs> right. Like that's it. Like yeah. <laughs> you can be the hero of your friend group if you recommend this to your friends. Yep. So uh yeah. Uh Jalen Naganda. Come around and love me out now everywhere streaming. You just got the vinyl. I'm probably going to pick the vinyl. We are going to take a quick break and uh, wrap this up by, uh, I don't know, just arguing about stuff. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be back in a minute. All right, so we got Jalen Naganda talking about his new album on the show. Uh, we have Dragons of Krull. We sure do. Great stuff. We sure do. Uh, bus crates or biscrates? <laughs> Please tell well, us. I'll reach <laughs> if you're out listening to, to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we mentioned some stuff going on in the industry. 
up front. I'm going to start with the easy one right now. Yeah. Uh, the Live Nation thing. Uh, so basically giving through the end of the year and giving money to artists to like cover their costs, a stipend, uh, and also basically just nixing the merch cuts uh, for a bunch of venues. Uh, I've heard rumors that it is actually going to be all the venues. Okay. Um, but then the, the stipend thing is not necessarily all the thing. And that makes sense. Cause you're like, you're actually giving that money and, and stuff. I, I, I will just say my position on this is that any of you people listening out there who are on the internet, who are trying to find ways why this isn't good for the artists right now, have lost your minds and you do not love music. Stop. This is this is an this is an indie rock viewpoint, by the way. Okay. Strictly. Okay. You're not entitled to this shit. These people are out there working. I saw like there's a Christian rock guy who got the got the money and people were like dogging on him. Like, <laughs> like he's a working musician. You don't like his music. That's fine. I probably don't either. Yeah. But the dude like makes his living in a bus playing these shows. And deserves to get paid in Live Nation for all the evil that they encompass. Stepped up and said, you know what? For a few months, yeah. Yeah. We're going to pay. Yeah. No one is saying this makes Live Nation good. Nobody is saying that. What, what I think, I think our position is that Live Nation has reluctantly, begrudgingly, and after a long, long ass time, done something right. And, yes. and like, we should, you should praise people when they do good things, even if they are bad yes. people. That's what pressure does. Yeah. Like yeah. they did it because, well, and, and they also, maybe they did it because, uh, they felt like it could pressure the other venues. Yeah. Obviously like smaller venues or, or aren't, or not smaller venues, but just venues that aren't Lab Nation that don't have that huge amount of capital, but still have hundreds of millions of dollars. Those exist. Uh, you know, obviously they aren't going to give out a stipend. I, I don't think that's the point. I don't think anybody's expecting that. Right. Yeah. Like that everybody should all of a sudden give out money. So people are like, well, maybe it's a, it's a thing to like crush the independent venues. I'm like, you know what? If the artists get paid better, maybe the, if your business model is ripping off somebody, this doesn't go for venues. This goes for everything. Ripping off somebody, not paying them enough, uh, harassing them if, if that's your model you should not be in business I don't care if you're an independent venue I don't care if you're a band a restaurant it's like anything just this is not you don't get some blanket like you're doing God's work because you run a shitty venue <laughs> or you're a shitty promoter like that's just that's not how this works yeah yeah no I think this is uh you know, uh, credit credit to the artists who've spoken out about this. I mean, I think Absolutely. I think they helped bring visibility to this. Um, I've been at a couple of shows at IMP venues here in DC where where folks from the stage called it out. Um, I saw it happen in London too when I was there for Pavement. One of the openers mm -hmm. said, "We're not selling our stuff here, but if you meet us in the hallway, we'll sell it to you." Basically, <laughs> I mean, I mean, this was this was this was this was always uh, sort of something you know a predatory thing. Mm -hmm. Um, there's obviously, you know, if you're, if you're playing an arena or a large venue, uh, and you have, you know, multiple merch, like 
Like the way most small bands do this is they actually staff their own, right? They bring a friend along or like someone who's close to the band or the band themselves, right? And and what that means is that you're not selling merch while you're on stage, but you are selling merch after your set, before your set. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously you can't do that if you're playing in a basketball arena. Uh, so, so there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a scale thing here, but depends if you bring a team, depends if you have a lot of friends. This is true. It's uh, not even friends at that point. It's like, there was, uh, go, go ahead with your point and then I'll, I'll tell you. Well, what no, I, I just, I just, I just really think that, you know, the, 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 the most common rebuttal from artists here, and I think this is the correct one is that is basically if you get a cut of my merch, I should get a cut of your booze sales, right? That's the, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's really the simple math here. And and I guess we know that venues weren't willing to do that. <laughs> so they would well, rather not take and, a cut of merch. And also my stance on that is that I think what a lot of artists don't get is like that's equally as ridiculous as saying they get a cut of merch. Yes. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's meeting, it, it's meeting it's not, ridiculous that, that, ridiculous. That's not as, as smart as you think it is. Yeah. Uh, but so, so the idea is like if everything's equal now, then yes. Like yeah. if you're going to – but but that that is an equally as ridiculous proposition. Um. Quinn, who has been on the show uh, a long time ago, is a reporter for Block Club in Chicago right now, and he did a really great piece. I'll put it in the show notes about this right before. He, <laughs> I feel so bad for him because he like did all this research and 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 uh, as a journalist does, and then this piece uh, basically kind of throwing shade at Live Nation venues in Chicago where he's based, and then Live Nation like immediately before that, yeah. no, fifteen minutes before. Oh, really? was like. But but one of the things in his article, the Salt Shed. I don't know if people know what that is down there. It's a new venue. It's an old like I believe it's Morton Salt, maybe. Uh, but is they they converted old salt salt storage into a venue, uh, thirty five hundred seats inside, five thousand seats inside. The promoter, uh, or five thousand seats total. The promoter, his quote was. <laughs> Yeah, well, we kind of have to do it because artists are rolling up with semis full of merch, <laughs> which is not a thing that happens at a five thousand seat venue. Yeah, <laughs> if anywhere. That's yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, so that should tell you where a lot of independent promoters are uh, with this—the bad ones. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Uh, you know, it's just. It, we we said it at the beginning of the last episode, but you just got to do better. This is an easy calculation. It's a great PR hit. Uh, just you know, if you want to, you, you want to be a dick and try to recoup that money somewhere else, that's your business, uh, and it is your business because people will be like, "Yeah, that's shitty too." Yeah, right, right. Like I think I think anything, anything what we've learned now is that there's going to be enough pressure coming, especially after the writers and actors strike. Uh, the musicians can't strike. There's a whole lot of reasons for that, but practically they can't strike. But they can do something like that, and I think that's definitely coming um, because the they you can't. And we're not talking about people who can't really afford to tour, like really, really afford to tour. Like that, this is a whole different. We're talking about like bands that this is their actual career. They are in the industry, not yeah. want to be in the industry. They're in the industry who can't afford to do this. And, uh, you know, if you're not part of the problem or if you're not the solution, then you are the problem. And, and I think as far as getting artist paid, it, it doesn't bother me if it's a conglomerate or, or, or who else, uh, is doing it. Whoever does the right thing. That's, yeah, yeah. that's good. Last thing I'll say on this, because I, I think, I think we should talk about Tim a little bit. Uh-huh. 
last thing I'll say say on this is that um, I completely lost my train of thought. So no, I won't say anything else. <laughs> straight straight to the replacements. And if you remember, we can uh, we can circle back from the mats yeah. to. Uh, uh, so we had a discussion. Uh, the replacements let it. Uh, Tim received like a ten on Pitchfork. I guess was best reissue and so fantastic marketing campaign did its job yeah way to go right uh and and right off the jump i want to make this clear uh partially because like i may be using like the guy who mastered this to like master my stuff yeah like the skill level of every technician involved in this is amazing so maybe i don't want to kneecap one of your points about this yeah it sounds it sounds great it sounds amazing yeah it sounds amazing there's no doubt about it. no, no I, and I've heard people be like, "Yeah, it doesn't sound sounds like crap." No, it doesn't sound like crap, my dude. Yeah. Uh, but there there is a lot of discussion over like when something like this comes out. What does that mean for the original release? And I think you and I are on very different sides of this this point. And uh, I'll just present where I'm at. And then we can go from there. Uh, I think they're interesting experiments. We love sound here. You and I both love sound. We love mm-hmm. listening to stuff. I, I love, I have nothing against remixes. Um, I think you get into some serious quicksand, as it were, <laughs> uh, when you start suggesting that the products like this replace the original work when products like this, I mean, this is specifically referred to as the definitive version and the definitive version is still in stuck in some guy's tape deck in his car. Right. Um, there, but that that's, that's really where my interests lie in, in, like the discussion surrounding this thing. If you like something like, if you like this better, that's fine. But, but it's just, it's, it seems very weird to me to see people, A, expecting a, any replacements album from the 80s to sound good and then trying to blame like they're, like it didn't succeed because of that. Like this is not their best album, first of all. <laughs> right. In my, like, it's, it's barely a good album. Yeah. But, and I say that as a huge Matt's fan. Um, but, it was just interesting to see how see the publicity machine work on people's brains. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, I think is it so is it is it fair to say that the idea um, you know, for it's it's important for you that there be a definitive version of the record and that that is the original release. I don't think that's an opinion. I think that's like there's definitive versions of things. And I know we, we disagree with that, but I think I would say you've seen too much fish, sir. I, I think <laughs> I think you can uh, other versions of songs are great. And, and that's how like live happens. Interpretations of yeah. songs. Yeah. But if there's no like definitive version, like this is the version. This is the song they wrote. This is the song that they said to the world. This is the song. Then. Fuck living in a sim. Like we're just like this is this is pure to chaos you, to you. The center, which I'm the kind of all, but I'm kind of there yeah. for. Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. I well, so you know, I take the 
uh, like every time something like this happens, there's a quote from the artist or from someone close to the management or someone like that saying, mm -hmm. oh, this is the way we always intended for this to sound. So I sort of, yeah. I like, I like to scout those comments as just sort of like part of the media, you know, the media hype. And, um, and to your point, you know, this was a well-run campaign. They got a lot of attention. Uh -huh. I feel like everyone you and I know on Facebook had some opinion about this, largely, largely yeah. positive. Um, because again, the, 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 the remaster sounds really great. Um, it doesn't, but it doesn't offend me that there are two versions of a record in no, existence. No, 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 Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think, I think when you and I were, were first texting about this, you know, I, I, I said sort of something to the effect of like, you know, whether, whether, uh, whether people come to view this as the definitive version of the album or not is not something that you and I are going to decide in a text right. message thread. It's going to be yeah. a result of like the next, right? The record is 35 years old, 40 years old. So it'll yeah. be 86. It'll, yeah. So it'll be what happens over the next 30 to 40 years. Uh, right. And at that point, maybe someone will say, you know, maybe it's the original one. Maybe it's this, maybe it's this new one. Um, you know, and, but, but it doesn't, um, it like, it really does not offend my sensibilities for a band to revisit and revise a finished product. But I think that you, but, but, and, and I'm, I might be, I might be on a, on a sort of, uh, I don't know, limb here. But I'm thinking about your response to the Peter Gabriel record too, and I think yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah, really it's important for you. That. Yeah, you want the artist to present you with a final like this is this is my thing, this is the record, it's finished, right? Uh, I think if the artist says they're going to do that, I think I think this is uh, it's okay. a very critical distinction. Okay, I think just making whatever is better for the world, like an artist. Yeah. But there there is this thing called the music industry, which we talk about a lot. Yeah. And so in the Peter Gabriel case, uh I think artists like to make like statements, right? It, it has to have meaning. You think about it. Yeah. I'm making an album right now. It has meaning. I think about it. But even my album might have two versions ultimately. Mm-hmm. Very different, very delineated as very different products. With what Peter Gabriel's doing right now, there's no clear. He's putting out two versions of each song every month. It could be the whole album is out now. Most of it's out now. Like I don't know if he just made exactly twelve songs because he said the album was coming out at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. But like I can't tell what to expect. And with an artist like Peter Gabriel, it's not going to be just about the words. If I want to pay just attention to the words, then I'll be like, oh, okay, this is the emotional through line. This is what he's talking about. Yeah. But the production is so much of, of what he is and what we expect from him. It's just a very, very odd choice. And if it ends up at the end of the year, you can buy the dark version or the light version. I'm not going to buy either. And I'm not going to listen to it. Yeah. Because he just couldn't decide. That's content. It's content versus art. For me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, and I think that's, that's, that's the exact, like, cleavage uh, point between you and me in terms of, you know, I don't, so I would, I would, I would take that as Peter Gabriel has made a bunch of decisions, including the decision to present his fans right. with two records. 
and that you know some part of some part of what happens after that is up to the fans. Um, so I don't view it as like an abdication of his responsibility. I view it as as right, sort right. of a you know maybe a more relational or sort of more um, collectivist uh, approach to. Well, it could be. It could be that he's trying to like change what we think of what an album is. Yeah, uh, that never works. <laughs> I mean, it usually doesn't. You're right. You're yeah, right. So, it usually doesn't. So I mean, and and, and look, well, I'm always open to be like to have my mind changed to be like, no, 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 you need to listen to both, or like maybe it's like Zyrica and you put on yeah. both at once, and, and the only way you listen to it is put on both at once, and you can All get the whole. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, oh, there's a third mix coming out. I don't know. So, but you know, yeah. Uh, there's there's there, there's something that I really like, and it took me a while to 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 understand and appreciate this. And uh, my friend Dave always talks about it, which is there's a book by this guy Tim O'Brien. It's a fiction book called In the Lake of the Woods, I think. And and the opening, you know, it's the sort of it's a book about this guy, and there's a question about whether he killed his wife or not, right? And is he still alive or not? And and the book doesn't tell you that. And in the in the first paragraph, there's like a footnote, and you read the footnote, and the footnote says. If you want to know the answer to the question of this book, it's not in here. You have to go look for it out in the world. You have to come to it yourself. It's not in here. And uh, and I couldn't possibly hope to tell you that. And sometimes, in some moods, I really like that idea, which is that uh, oh, yeah. which is that art is an attempt to get at something, but but from the get-go, the artist is saying, I can't, I can't tell you. I can't, uh, yeah. you know, I can't make the final decision for you. Only you know what the right version of this record is. Um, right. And, you know, maybe that's me being a little too Pollyanna-ish about this, but I do, but I, but I sort of do no. like something about that. I mean, no, I, I can vibe with that. And that kind of ties in with like the, the Tim discussion. Um, if I'm trying to figure out how to word this so it doesn't sound like bad or like judgmental or anything, but you know, there are, if you listen to something and you always want it to be something else, you're a different type of consumer than me. Yeah. So you're speaking specifically to people who like maybe were listening to Tim a few years ago and were like, oh, this sounds like shit. We need a new version of this. Correct. Yeah. Because that was one of the narratives that like, I've never thought it sounded like shit. It sounded like a replacements album. Yeah. Which is what it was. Yeah. Um, and I've never even heard, nobody has ever talked to me and said, this sounds like shit. Yeah. But also, there's other replacements albums that sound like shit. <laughs> like, they all kind of sound <laughs> yeah, like yeah, shit. No. But it was in the 80s, so everything did. So I'm just not a fan of, as much as like what you're saying about like m me wanting to move forward, like the place, the time where something was made actually, I think, matters. So to put it in context of like Jason Jalen Naganda album, you know, that is recalling a certain time, and we we know what that is. Uh, the stuff, the Tim release specifically is recalling 2023. Fair. And, I, and, and that album has, for me, this is just not speaking for anybody else's enjoyment. For me, that means it has no resonance because the two don't match up. Yeah. And so the mistake for me, I think, in how they marketed it, which is really all this is a critique of how they marketed it from, from me, is that they didn't do what, say, Giles Martin does, 
this is a completely different product. Yeah. It's a completely different album. Because if you've been listening to a song for 40 years that doesn't have a piano, and then all of a sudden it has a piano, that's a new song. Yeah. And that's great. That is great. But it's also, it is a new song. Yeah. And we may now be at the point where it's sort of, I think, I mean, well, let me ask you this. Are you, are you walking, like, are you upset that this new version of Tim exists? <laughs> no. Yeah. 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 No. yeah. Um, but, well, but see, does... you can't go on the internet and say anything and be yeah. like, you're upset. I'm like, no, no, no I don't you'd, be, you'd, be, you'd be a pariah. <laughs> I had a great discussion about that too. Actually, uh, Daria and I were walking around the neighborhood uh, last weekend, said something about the national. Uh-huh. Right. And she was like, you like hate this album, uh, boxer, blah, blah. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. I don't like it. And I don't like how benign it is. And it's elevated. Like to some masterpiece of modern art, I said. But it's a good album. <laughs> like, I don't, and I'm not going to waste time like being like fuck that. Like, yeah. hate, like yeah, yeah, yeah. there's no hate in my heart for it. I'm just like I call it what uh, what I think it is. Yeah, like yeah. an okay album made by a bunch of white dudes. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 there is something about our relationship to the past and the idea of a record that that like this remaster sort of treads on a little bit for you and that makes you a little bit worried about sort of how we talk and think about music uh the worry is is direct is like if the band is not getting any money from this yeah beyond the payout right uh then it will be replaced on streaming and right. then all the all the yeah money right, right. that they make will be from this new version if the band does own it, great. Nothing to see here. Yeah, right. Uh, but if not, people are going to be like, I'll never listen to that crap version again. Yeah. Well, for now, people have the choice. And I, and I think that's the right. Yes. I, think, I think the right approach is to give consumers the choice between, you yeah. know. And, and I, would, I would say the same for like deluxe, remastered, reissued, expanded things where like there's now a B-side following the last track on the original album, right? Like that's, I hate that. that's a little disorienting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we are moving into a thing where, you know, there's a big discussion about product versus or, or content versus art. Yeah. Um, and it all has become content for a lot of people in charge of like producing it, like making it available to you, not producing the records. Um, so yeah, so if they, I have like, I have a copy of Wilco's AM that like it should end and it has four demos that I just never want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's like, don't, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Sad, but. Well, yeah. art, art versus content. I like that. That should be, yeah. that should, that should be our, our, our final statement on this before we yeah. anger the internet. Yeah. And it can be, in some cases it can be both. Yeah. Um, to just reiterate what we said up top about Tim, everybody involved in this t on a technical stance, fucking killed. Yeah, great job. It, it really like, does sound so good. Like fucking. Yeah, I'll I'll probably listen to the new remaster more than I do the old one going forward. To right? be honest, um, right? In the same so you, way that so, I listen. So Paul Westerberg doesn't need to eat. <laughs> well, I, I think he's doing okay. Uh, in the same way Is that I'd rather listen to the Matt Wallace version of Nevermind if I were to ever listen to Nevermind, which I never do, but like. But if I, I if I were that. to do that, it would be the Matt Wallace version and not the Butch Vig version. I don't know anything about that. Are there are there two versions? 
Um, yeah, the Matt Wallace version's a little scuzzier, and then Butch Vig came out and came came in and sort of uh, made it more of the glossy product that ended up, you know, taking over the world. Is that available? Uh, it, they put it out. Um, they did a bunch of uh, things for like when Nevermind turned twenty, maybe, and I think no, was on it. That yeah, 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 yeah. We we should eventually, I think, do a whole show as we wrap this up. Um, about that, like how we, how our minds like perceive music, because that yeah. that that to me is a very interesting way. Be you know, never mind is a great example. Like it's so ingrained into everybody's mind and ears, like exactly what that record sounds like. And to be like, well, there could be another version, and like you say, scuzzier, and there could be people that just like heard never mind and were like, this sounds way way too produced, and don't listen to stuff because of that. Yeah. Not not because of the content, just because they're like there's a certain level where you hit and you're like I I don't care what they're saying, um, which is valid. Yeah. But it's also it's also as everything humans do, very fucking weird. <laughs> You're here. <laughs> so, um, all right. So we settled two issues. We solved shit. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's fixed. Yeah. Everybody. All right. All right. Sleep well. <laughs> Yes. Well, um, coming up on the show, we still don't know, but we only have four official episodes. Yeah. Maybe, I know. maybe, maybe some other chats coming our way. <laughs> maybe we'll some see. other chats, but we can't talk about yeah. that yet. But maybe you do some work behind the scenes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Uh, I don't think you can do anything. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back in uh, two weeks, unless we're back sooner. There's uh, later. <laughs> <laughs>